Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Courtney Zog. Courtney is a serial entrepreneur and the community innovation partner at Next Studios, an innovation studio where she's working to increase innovation at the intersection of capital, talent, and community. Courtney is a certified economic developer and an entrepreneurship development professional uh, certified by the IEDC, and she was one of the first entrepreneurship development professionals certified in the US. She's also a proud veteran spouse and mother. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome. Uh, you say you're happy to be here, but I'm going to hit you right off the bat. You were very <laughs> hesitant to come on the podcast. You're right. Why? Why, why was that? Uh, well, to be clear, it had nothing to do with you, um, but it has everything to do with um, my work in the industry, which, which is different. Um, and the message that I shout often on LinkedIn, um, but on social media is very, very different to than the cadence the uh, economic development industry walks along to. And so when he reached out, I just thought, um, I don't know. Sometimes I, I don't I don't want to uh, I don't want to poke any bears, so to speak, but I certainly welcome the opportunity to share my thoughts and the work that I'm doing. And hopefully um, others will join me along this journey. Well, I just find it so interesting because I personally, I like to poke the bear. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm all about that. And you, you know, from your LinkedIn, you're, you do it all, you know, you do it all day long. You, you posted just a few days ago, uh, <laughs> calling all rejects, you know, a year ago, you posted something like economic developers are being exploited. Like you're That's all about true. poking the bear. So, <laughs> you know, so, so right. Okay. So I, I think that the difference is, um, and maybe to give a little backstory as to how I ended up where I am. Um, you know, I, 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 my background started with international economic development. So I've started my career working with elected officials, with um, uh, high ranking officials, even from different countries. And it was very clear that your approach to anything, any question, any partnership, any opportunity was no. And of course, there were different ways you had to say no. You had to be diplomatic, diplomatic about it. And um, but that was that was your mission. That was the directive. It was then to see like how can we, you know, see how this works. So it's mutually beneficial. But I don't want to show my card. Um, and so fast forward, when my husband and I started a construction company in early 2017, we had been making plans to start this company. Um, finally pulled the trigger, and ended up being around other entrepreneurs that always said yes, yes and. 
Um, and it wasn't just yes, it was actually, you're not thinking big enough, Courtney. This is actually what we can do. This is the impact you can make. Um, and that is a very different perspective than most economic developers encounter. Um, and so, you know, that post I made, um, you said it was a couple of years. I don't remember what it was, but about economic developers are being exploited. I believe it. I've, I lived it and I believe it. And I think it's getting worse. And so fast forward to then, you know, there was a, there was a lot of feedback that I received from that post, but yet nothing has changed. And I think economic developers often struggle because of the system that is in place in economic development to do things differently. And so fast forward to the post about being rejected, um, you know, there's this lack of true, um, I think a feeling that people, economic developers are enabled and have the power to do things differently. Um, and I, I get a lot of rejection and not personal rejection, of course, um, but it, it's the rejection of we can't do that um, or it's too hard. And um, and I don't believe that. I just fundamentally don't believe that because it's hard and because, you know, things have been set up in a certain way that that's how things have to move forward. I don't believe it. And so I, and I'm, and I'm living proof that you don't have to do it that way. You can find success individually and professionally doing things differently. Um, but I think there's plenty of people that, um, want to do things differently, but just don't feel enabled to do so. I think that's a good sort of background. And I think it gives us all sort of an idea, you know, of where you're coming from. Because like you mentioned, you're entrepreneurial, you started this business with your husband, you navigated the system that many of us are sort of working in or around, trying to make it better. And I think if you asked most economic developers, they would say that they're very cooperative. The whole system is very cooperative. It's it's not adversarial in the way that you sort of described it at the beginning there. How looking at it now from the outside, what do you, you know, what do you say to that or how do you describe that in a way that maybe they could understand better? I would so I would agree Yes, I would agree that the their work and how they do their work is collaborative and it's they they try to find allies and not adversaries, but they're still working within the, the existing system. And that's the key. Uh, the key is the existing system only works well and only um, few benefit from the existing system the approach to the intersection of economic development, entrepreneurship, and philanthropy is creating a new system and aligning those existing systems to work very differently. It's not trying to, um, to, to basically, you know, break the system from within. It's saying, nope, let's build it from, from these, you know, there's some great parts in each of these different systems, but let's take those great parts and build something new. That's very different. Um, that takes collaboration, but it's a different way of thinking. Um, and that's what's hard. That's what's very, very hard because change is uncomfortable. Um, also, I think a lot of the work in economic development has historically been driven by politics and elected officials. And um, again, I don't think it has to be that way. Uh, I think it can be different. I think, I think we can... The, the political system can benefit greatly from doing things differently. 
Um, but it takes people taking a risk and taking a chance and saying, well, what if? Um, and I, I would say often in the industry, um, folks are not asking what if, they're asking what's next of the same. And I think um, the system is just designed not to pilot new things and to uh, learn new things. It's designed to um, increase on the foundation that's been that's worked well. Again, the foundation and how traditional economic development has been set up has been great and it's worked really well. I think, however, there's a wave of new ideas and a new generation of workers and talent and things that are coming down the pipe. And if we, as a, as a collective in economic development, refuse to say yes and, that wave is going to hit us and some folks will be run over and some folks will ride it to success. So thinking about the Gen Z generation where 60% of them are either currently entrepreneurs with a side gig, right? Or they're interested in starting their own business. That's a huge different difference from even the millennial generation, the Gen X generation. It's just huge. Um, they are largely finding information and being resourceful on their own. Again, thinking outside of systems, um, of the traditional system, they're finding ways to educate themselves, to, um, to work, to start businesses, to find community in ways that have never been done before. And our traditional approach to economic development is not set up to support them. What are we gonna do about it? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think anybody would disagree with anything you said. I don't, any part of it. I don't think realistically there's anybody that could say, say there's anything wrong with that. But the question is, I guess, what do we do now? What, how do we, um, how do we mold the, the system or how do we, what do we do as economic developers to assist this, the Gen Z's to assist and work in this new environment and be relevant going forward? Because at the end of the day, that's the whole thing, right? We want to be able to continue to help our communities and, and grow economies and <clears throat> excuse me, all of that. What do we do? What's, you know, what are the steps? Certainly, I think everyone would say, um, you know, the long-standing recommendation of getting board, the board members, the folks that are providing direction to the economic development organizations to also think differently. That requires support and education and a lot of conversations, but it also requires trust. And so, um, and in and, and no way do I think that there's a lack of trust generally across the country between the boards of EDOs and the economic developers at all. But I do think there, the trust has to be encouraged in order to try something new. Um, you know, when I see pilot projects that are offered, um, they're offered from a perspective of funding. So, you know, you have large organizations, philanthropic organizations, the EDA saying, we want you to do this. And it forces collaboration. It forces these organizations and and communities to work together and to do things just a little bit differently, that should be turned on its head and that should be bottom up. And instead that work is coming from the top down. Um, and so the trust building between, you know, the boards of EDOs and others in this ecosystem, it, I, I, my goal would be, you know, to, to pilot, to take these small projects and pilot things to see what works. Things are going to fail, and that's fine. It's still a learning experience. 
Um, but the pilot projects really has to have to come from the bottom up. And that starts with trust from elected officials and board members of EDOs saying, okay, go do it. And also prioritizing that work, right? Because I'm saying things you and everyone else in the industry already knows is economic development now means everything. It means housing, it means childcare, it still means infrastructure, it still means business attraction. Now it means entrepreneurship. Um, there has to be a priority because the way that, that it, typically, maybe not in Texas, <laughs> where you are, Dane, but in many other areas too, the lack of resources that allow economic developers to pilot things and to tackle um, uh, things outside the traditional approach. There's no, there aren't any resources or time, you know, time is a resource, but there's you know, funding and, and um, time available to do that. And so the trust building piece is going to be important to allow economic developers to do that. But right now, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it in the Midwest, certainly. Sure. And I, I don't think that Texas has any real difference compared to the rest of the country. We're, we're all, you know, we all operate the same way in the sense that you're very unlikely to get fired from a local as the director of a local EDO by spending money on, you know, marketing for business mm -hmm. attraction for doing, you know, some kind of basic business retention thing. Um, even if that is literally going and giving grants to storefront, you know, to clean up storefronts or, or what have you, there's this sort of standard set of things that if you do, you know, you're considered a success, you're considered, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's everything's going great. If you, it's when you step out, like you said, that there are these challenges and you see it, I think, between the EDO director and their, their boards, the boards have, you know, an agenda in the sense that, well, not even in a sense, they have an agenda. They're, they're on the board for a reason. They want to improve the community, you know, they want to boost the economy in their, in their small town or their community because either they have a financial interest in, you know, there being general prosperity, which is a, you know, everyone has a financial interest, but you know, they, they recognize that or they want to, you know, give back or make their community better in some sense. And they're trying, and they're trying to help. And they've, you know, been put in this position where they're, um, in charge of this director and this organization, and maybe they don't even know, you know, what's available. Maybe they're following mm -hmm. old, um, guidance, you know, what do you, what do you do in that situation where you're a director of an EDO and you have a board and they don't, you know, they're not even open to any, any new ideas. What would you suggest they do? Yes. Which, which is probably the case for the majority of, of leaders out there. Um, what, what I have found to be successful. And I think another reason why I align more with the entrepreneurship community is that often the success when um, the success for trying something new starts with the business community putting pressure <laughs> on elected officials um, and the board to say, right. no, this is actually what we need to do. Um, you know, the, if, if I'm thinking just about communities that I focus as entrepreneurship as the center of their economic development strategy, both from a invest, you know, uh, BRE, uh, helping startups, but also attracting talent and business. It's all because there was some 
successful entrepreneur that tapped the shoulder of the mayor or the county commissioner that said, you should think about this, right? Um, and right. it's been successful. And so leveraging those relationships with the business community to then influence um, the process of how economic development is done seems to be seems to be the way. But I think, you know, the hard part is, well, there's lots of hard parts about it. One being entrepreneurs are busy. And, and so getting them to be your ally um, and devote time is going to be hard. But also, it still takes vision. You know, it still comes down to leadership. Um, and there's plenty of entrepreneurs that, that I work with. I mean, I think my husband's one of them that's just like, I just want to have my business and do good work and impact things. Leave me out of this right. space, right? Um, so it's hard. It's hard. But I think leveraging the business community and, and especially, um, you know, unique startups uh, is, has been a proven success factor from my perspective. Okay, so... It does seem like places become entrepreneurial hubs because there was a very successful entrepreneur in some sense and other entrepreneurs wanted to, other people who were entrepreneurial wanted to be around him or wanted to work in that same kind of environment or, you know, had an ancillary service or, you know, something. They, entrepreneurs seem to really, if there's one and they're successful, there's, there's going to be more. Um, that is not something that we mandate. We don't, you know, we don't, uh, county commissioners and the mayor don't make an edict and that just happens. That sort of bubbles up naturally, um, you know, from the ecosystem. What can we do? We, we're all mandated to like improve that ecosystem and make it better. Or many of us are, you know, to, to make that more likely to happen. But you're kind of saying that it really all has to come up from the bottom. So how do we, how do we help that? How do we assist that in a way that isn't us defining our communities as, you know, the Silicon Valley of whatever and letting it naturally happen, but make, you know, organically, but still providing that support and those, you know, that service or whatever we need to do. What do you think? Yes, there's a lot of ideas. Um, you know, the, from the organic perspective, it's just encouraging those entrepreneurs to get together, providing it, providing something easy. And that could be lots of different things. It could be space. It could be events. It could be, you know, coffee every Friday morning. But getting those entrepreneurs in the same room to talk um, because they, they want it and, frankly, they need it. Uh, you know, there are lots of communities that, have an established mentor network that's meant to, you know, provide guidance to startups and young firms, but there's still a lot of value. You see a lot of communities or a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that just meet with other entrepreneurs in general because they need that camaraderie. They need support. It's a lonely journey. It's a very difficult journey. doesn't matter what industry vertical you're in. Um, and so allowing, being a convener and allowing and encouraging that conversation is really important. Um, I think the other thing is, so you're talking about, um, you know, piloting things bottom up and the easy button mm -hmm. is taking a simple portion of revenue. So, so I, I am very cognizant that what I'm asking is diverting revenue. And I know that's, that's hard, 
but taking some tax revenue for um, companies that have relocated um, based on their success and the, and the capital gain, you know, investment that they've made, put it in a little pot and, you know, provide it either from a grant or a very low interest loan opportunity for these pilot projects, for the entrepreneurs to say, I want to take, I want to tackle this problem, this community problem, and I'm going to, I'm going to be the one to help, um, you know, put the infrastructure together and, and maybe create a new startup out of it using some of this money from a pot. Um, it could be little things like just simple policies for, um, you know, when I think about the right to start movement, I am an ambassador for right to start. So I'm, I am very biased, but there, there's very simple, easy, tactical steps in changing a little bit of policy that doesn't neg negatively impact others to just make it easier for these startups, um, for, for entrepreneurs to start, to start and grow their businesses. Um, and so I think the easier you make piloting startups and piloting projects, um, just with little baby steps, the, it, it will, it will amplify and it'll, it'll be a snowball effect. Um, and there have been plenty of communities that have done, done that by saying our foundation are entrepreneurs and we're going to invest in them. I think that's all solid advice. I think something you said at the beginning, you said, uh, you know, get the entrepreneurs in the same room. I think sometimes when we hear that, we think we need to get them in the room and then we need to um, teach them something or we need to tell them something or we need to give them something. But really, the way you were, as you were talking, I was thinking, we just need to get them in the same room with each other so they can make their own sort of organic connections between... Um, you know, between them and, and, and talk about their, their commonalities and their differences and you know, their challenges and how they can help each other. And I, you're, you're probably right. That probably would be a thing. We do just need to be a convener. And I guess that's the benefit of having a co-working space or having, you know, regular sort of peer mentorship meetings, that kind of thing, because then they get together and they get to talk and, and I guess feel supported by each other. They're never going to feel supported by, you know, the rest of industry and, and economic yeah. development. They, they really need it from each other, but we could provide that and be a part of that, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yes. 100 That's good. True. And then, and then I thought the other, the next thing you said, you said the easy button is the, the portion of the, you know, give them some money. And as I thought about that, I was thinking, okay, that's what everybody always says. Let's give them money. And that's, you know, that's a challenge. But then as you kept talking, I realized, you know, economic development is here to fill the gaps, right? We fill the gaps in funding all the time. When a project is trying to get off the ground and there is, you know, they're trying to get this building or, or what have you so they can move in their equipment or they need new equipment and they don't quite have enough money to qualify for whatever economic development comes along and finds a way to fill in those gaps. And so as you were talking, I was like, you know what? Maybe we need to be filling in the gaps in, in venture capital, in, in startup investment, because on a small scale, in, especially in our local communities, we're, we have um, you know, ears to the ground. We know what's going on. Um, we, have, can, we can have connections with the entrepreneurs. We can have connections with the business community and the government. 
maybe you are onto something there. That's, I think that's, that's quite solid. I had never thought about it from that perspective. And then thirdly, you said the make it easier to start. And I think we all agree about that's mm-hmm. absolutely the case. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that probably, as you were talking, I, I realized this, um, entrepreneurs, it's for entrepreneurs, it's not, um, it's not a failure to fail. It's not a failure to start a business and have it never get off the ground, never get traction, never get going. And I think that we're so, can be so concerned about, you know, let's not loan money to this company or to this startup because they're going to, you know, they might fail, but that's just part of it. Like they have Mm -hmm. to fail. It's a whole like get going as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible. Try to find that, you know, try to find that product market fit. If you don't, you know, pivot, do something until you find it. And then if you fail, you fail. And, and there's no shame in that in, in entrepreneurship. Whereas in, you know, if I'm the, the CEO of the local factory that makes whatever and, and we go out of business and I, you know, have to lay off half the town, that's a huge black mark. I got to move. But in entrepreneurship, it's not like that. So this is interesting. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think the, the only other comment I would have about the venture capital side is, um, while very critically important, there's a whole continuum of of capital needs in different ways that aren't being addressed in most communities where the majority of, of businesses and startups don't qualify. They're not venture backable. And so, right. you know, you right. can go to your local bank um, and frankly, we, you know, we I'm there are a lot of banks that we work with that it's like we really want to help you these are our standards. So how do we help you get bankable, right? To the point where you, you, you can come and get a loan from us. Um, I think that there's just a lot more opportunities and creative um, tools that are being developed, especially with CDFIs um, and CDFIs that are online only. Live Own Bank, Live Own Bank is one of them um, across the country, but it's not, you know, a tool um, or a partnership that most communities are thinking about. Because again, when the mandate is bring another manufacturing, you know, facility to my community, because that that's tax revenue, you're going to spend most of your time on that. But if it's say, actually, we want to create jobs and we want to be, you know, the place for talent to start up and to stay and to grow and create more company, you know, more startups. It's a different, it's a different way of thinking and different tools that are needed. Um, so I don't know. I think, you know, what I, what I am positive about, which I know I obviously said I poked the bear and I can, I have said some negative things about the industry who, you know, to be clear, I've benefited greatly from, from with my business in Placa, right? Um, I, the conversations are shifting. And I think the pandemic had had something to do with that. Um, I think there, uh, the leadership uh, of a lot of EDOs um, and boards and, and councils are shifting, um, where um, they're taking let you know more of a um, creative approach to what economic development looks like. Um, so I feel I feel hopeful. But what I I think, going back to my reject post, the part that I I'm very adamant about is not just trying to fix a few things in the existing system. You know, a new system really has to be created. Um, and it has to be done with different partners that have 
not been leveraged before. Um, and in order, in order for there to be success for, especially I think in distressed communities, especially rural communities, they have to think differently about what does economic development mean to them? So, um, what are, yeah, what are those partners? What, you know, you mentioned philanthropy, you mentioned the partnership between mm -hmm. philanthropy, economic development, and, and I don't remember who, I don't remember who the third partner of that, that thing. Oh, entrepreneurship. Yeah. Economic development, philanthropy, and economic, and entrepreneurship entrepreneurs. So yeah, what other, how else is that? You know, what other partners are we talking about? What other um, things and, and how does that, and how does that even work? How does, how does a partnership between philanthropy, economic development and entrepreneurship work? Sure. One example would be, you know, there's the, the buzzwords about impact funds and impact fund creation at this point. And while the majority of that is focused more on these socially minded impact businesses, um, where venture capital is, is being allocated to them, but you know, they're not getting a 15 X return. They might get, I don't know, a five X return or a three X return, still money being generated back into, into the community. Um, I think, but I think using philanthropy as a funding vehicle for economic development in different, differently than it's ever been done before is critical. Um, so here in, in Indianapolis, there's the, um, Central Indiana Community Foundation, or, this, or the Central Indiana um, Community Impact Fund, which um, Next Studios, my innovation studio, helped, helped create in partnership with the foundation. And, you know, the focus of that is the money is already de-risked. The money from donors has been vetted to this trusted organization that has been established for 100 years. Um, so they have great processes in place. And it could be used either as a tax write-off or it could be used as an investment tool. It could be used really as an equity tool or it could be used as a grant or a loan. And that has, you know, it's a different approach to how to fund economic development. Um, more, I'm, you know, again, hopeful uh, about that approach because so many other larger impact funds have been established and are doing really well. Um, that to me mean Again, the tide is, is it's, it's shifting. It's shifting in a different way and heading in a, in a good direction. Um, I think the other, this other piece about ecosystem building for entrepreneurship, uh, it's so, it's critical. It's, it's, you know, making sure that the continuum of resources is accessible to everyone in your community um, and people know where to go. You know, I, I've worked for, various communities and I was thankful to work in this smaller community that really we didn't have a BRNE program but we had someone who had trusted partnerships um, and had been around a long time so they called her and so when she was you know basically moving on it's like we have to put processes in place so that we capture that information so they know that they're not going to call you they're going to call they're going to call this organization and we're going to have the processes in place to help them um so that ecosystem building and, and connection of resources and trusted partners has to be very, very visible. And I think in most communities, it's not. Either it's an overwhelming inventory of what resources are available, um, but not a process. You know, one example of that would be, um, so you have a small business development center, you have a, a CDFI, both of them probably need resources from both organizations, but who do you go to first? 
And so you show up at the SBDC right. door and they, they say, actually, you know, you've checked a couple of these boxes. You really should have gone over to the CDFI first. And so there's not a roadmap of like, if you're here, call them. You know, if you're at this step, call them. You need to pitch, you know, get a pitch deck together. Get, here's the person for your pitch deck. And then you can go pitch for, you know, venture capital at the state VC. Um, it's hard work and it's a lot of work and it's getting everyone rowing in the same direction. But that's really important for communities in the ecosystem building piece of it. Well, that's good. I think that's excellent advice because that gives them a, you know, that's a place to start. That's how we can, you know, today sit down and figure out, okay, let's do this piece. What's after they do that, what do they do next? What's next? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a ladder essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like that. That's really good. So, um, after the, after you've developed a ecosystem where we've gotten started creating this inventory of the ecosystem and this map, this ladder of however it'll, whatever it'll look like, um, what else, what else can we do in our communities to, um, you know, move in the right direction, I guess. How do we do that? I think, um, you know, depending on the level of trust, uh, you know, you, you'll have to take that temperature in, in, in your own community, but the convenings between those or those different sectors, philanthropy, entrepreneurship, and economic development, um, it's going to take a lot of conversations, public conversations, you know, educating sure. them about what the possibility is, but a lot of closed door conversations to, to see like, what does this actually look like? What can we do? Um, um, and I think, you know, the easy, I would say one thing that communities have caught on pretty well uh, with has been these pitch competitions, both for um, venture backable uh, startups, but also social impact businesses. And that's great. But again, going back to the ecosystem, you know, map and ladder, what's next? Okay, they, they won the pitch competition. They got some money. That's great. What do they do with it? What do they do with the money? What comes right. next? Um, and I think the success of building, building that, uh, building on that will be, oh, we did a pitch competition. You know what? They squandered that money and they were out of business in six months. Well, why? Where right. were their mentors that right. are available, you know, connected with them or whatever that might be? Um, it's, it's, it's that ecosystem continuum that's going to be really important. Um, I think I hear that a lot. And Dane, I'd be curious to get your thoughts. I would really like to hear your perspective, too, and in, in your experience, you know, working at an EDO um, where. Um, I think that. I lost my train of thought. So we were talking about the pitch competition. And then the, the next steps, you know, for the, they win the pitch competition. They go off and squander their money because we didn't give them any guidance about what to do at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we blame them. And then we all say this pitch competition, what a waste. You oh, know, right. I mean, th these are all things that really happen. They do. And so, you know, the conversations with people in your community, when, when you and other economic developers bring up, hey, we should think about this. And someone says, oh, we tried that 15 years ago. It didn't work. And, and right. often it didn't work because of the leaders that were around the table, right? Because that, that's 
Also the special sauce. You want to talk about case studies. Well, case studies work really well when you have the right people in the right seats. (laughs) You know, it's not necessarily the idea. It might be actually the leadership of it. So, yeah, I'd be curious to get your perspective of, you know, we've done that before. That's not going to work. Oh, I think that we've done that before is literally the hardest objection to overcome because, you know, it, it, you get that over and over and over again. And there is always this sense that they, you know, they want to create new things and they want to do new things. They don't want to do things that they've already, they think they've already tried and have failed regardless of, you know, that the people have changed. And I guess this is sort of the exciting thing about there being a, a new generation, right? The, you have the Gen Zs now, and uh, before those, you had the millennials and the Xers, and we all did things differently. And we all grew up in a different environment, and we all, you know, came of age at a different time with different sort of priorities and different worries. And what I see now is... Uh, Gen Z doing things that Gen Xers and even boomers to a little bit degree did at exactly the same points, but they're all having different outcomes. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what's so great about these new generations because they can do exactly the same things or they can have exactly the same name because Xers and millennials, we weren't joiners, right? The boomers had all these social clubs. They had all these ways mm-hmm. to get together in their communities. They had the, you know, the Rotary and the, and the Foreign Legion and, you know, all these different things, all these different clubs and bowling groups. It's like that, the book Bowling Alone. People didn't, when I was a younger adult, people, you know, stopped doing community activities. They stopped doing activities with other people. And... Now, all these things we're talking about are how do we get people to interface with each other again? And the truth is they all want to hang out with each other, right? All entrepreneurs want to hang out with other entrepreneurs because they talk the same language, they have the same worries and wants and all that. And it's exactly the same as the boomers. It's just, you know, completely and entirely different. It's totally different people and they're going to do things differently. And I think that from my perspective is, is how this has to all play out. It's a, it's a total generational shift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. It's, I would even relay it to, you know, the, the, the educational, the higher ed, ed system. Right. And I know a fraction sure. of it, but the way that you can, you know, do a six month coding boot camp and, get a certificate and have an entry-level job at $75,000 and, you know, and work in, you know, rural Indiana, that, right, right. that should, I, I mean, I think it is blowing the minds of these major four-year institutions, but you don't see a whole lot of major shift in, re, in response to that. And so I think, um, I, I just, it, it, I just find that the speed of which change is happening um, in, in response to what's on our doorstep is mind boggling to me. Sure. I was just going to say, yes, yeah, yes. And the younger you are, the slower everything seems, right? True. Um, true. everything's going slow. Everything, everything is speeding up. Everything I think 
realistically, everything that you describe is the direction that the world is going, is the way that things are going to end up. It's just, we're just not there yet. And, you know, I hate to be the old man in the room, but, you know, it's like, just wait a second. It's all going to work itself out. But um, I get this. And yeah, I'm, I totally understand this, this hurry and this, you know, determination. And that's great because that's what moves things forward. That's what makes change happen. That's what, you know, moves mountains and, and empires. So yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think colleges are, to get you back to your point about that, colleges are changing. Colleges are, you know, um, college is not going to look like it did. Let's see. So my three, I have three sons. The oldest is um, in college and the youngest has three years of high school left. The college is going to be a totally different experience for the last one than it was for the first one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This, this is all changing. Everything is, everything is changing. Yeah, I, I think um, so your your point about uh, being impatient is fair. It's a part of my personality, but I, I would not say that I'm the young, the young, the young one in the room. I'm 40. And so I, I do see this whole section of, you know, I have a seven year old. Uh, certainly college for her is going to be different. Very, very different. Her yeah. current uh, experience in uh, her you know primary school is way different than my experience in primary school. Um, and I think right. the other, you know, this, this, my unique intersection between the economic development industry and working with elected officials where it's just so risk adverse and then working on this innovation entrepreneurship side, which is all about risk and yes. And it's, it's very drastic. It's just very drastic. And so I feel like I'm trying to pull, you know, this risk adverse side just a little bit, um, just a little bit to move things a little bit faster. Well, I think the cool thing for you is, um, you know, being entrepreneurial like this, I think that you can pull as fast as you want. And um, that's true. You know, I, that's honestly, that's the, that's your, that's the strength that you have. That's the the position of power that you're in, you can just go as fast as you want and, you know, hope that everybody else catches up. I, I and you know, we need those people that that's absolutely the case. And like I said, uh, I feel kind of bad that I'm the old man in the room. I am. A, I'm a little bit older than you. Um, but like, I feel like, wait a minute, I'm the one saying like, things are just <laughs> let them, let them work themselves out. But this is, I mean, this is kind of mind blowing for me because I always <laughs> thought I was the radical, but yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, I, I really appreciate that. And I think, um, you know, your, your, your comments, uh, are well taken. I think often, and I think the reactions on on LinkedIn show this is that economic developers do want to try and do things differently, but they feel handcuffed. Right. And so while I don't, um, uh, because I, I don't report to a board, I don't report to a mayor, I can say many things that I just want to say right and not at all saying right. that i am the voice of the industry because that is not true but i think um if nothing else I, you know the response that i've gotten has been um people feel heard they feel heard that i see their experience and understand their experience and 
um, while they can't be maybe on the stage saying these things, they're glad someone else is starting to wave a little bit of, of a flag of, hey, come, come in this direction. Let's go that way. Hopefully. Well, Courtney, this has been awesome. I think that is a great way to end it. I, I think um, I think you've made your point. I think we've uh, realized I'm the old man. Um, That's not true at no, all. This has really, really been great. <laughs> so if anybody wants to reach out to you and find out more, um, you know, talk to you, whatever, like how should they do that? You can find me either at placaassociates.com or our innovation studio is called nextstudios.org. I'm based in Indianapolis. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn almost every day. And yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity. It's been, it's been really great, Dane. I, I truly appreciate it. Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm really glad I was, you were, you were nervous and you thought I was gonna, I don't know, rake you over the coals. And, and I realized that I'm just, oh man, this is, it's just been fun. It's been really fun for me too. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.